All right. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in, listening to another episode, episode 28, I think. I might be mistaken, but I think it's episode 28. Thank you so much. And uh, we're going to jump into the book of Psalms this week. We're going to kind of pause on the book of Acts. And I'm going to move over to uh, the book of Psalms, a couple of Psalms that the Lord put on my heart that I've been kind of meditating on. And uh, I believe he confirmed in a dream last night I had, which is very interesting dream. And I'm not going to go into all the details of it um, because, you know, dreams can be weird at times. But I believe there was a message there that God was speaking to me, really just about his protection and the way that he keeps us uh, in our way. And he keeps us on the path he has for us and how he's faithful to be a shepherd. He's a, he's a shepherd. He really is. And, you know, it's different when you your heart is like turned away from God and you're like, I don't want anything to do with you. In some amazing way, God can still be a shepherd and still be there for us. But we have to realize our will is in, involved. So your will can override God's will, meaning you can, because God's not going to force his way in your life, but you can actually push against what he would want or what he wants to do. And that can, you know, kind of hinder you. But when you're seeking God, when you keep a relationship with the Lord, no matter how your heart maybe fights or how your feelings or emotions try to come in, when you keep a steadfast, consistent relationship with him, then he gets the glory. He gets to come in. He it's it's like an easier access for God to come in and breathe and blow your sails in the direction he wants to move it. When you don't have a prayer life, when you're not reading the word, when you don't spend time with the Lord and you're just kind of cold and hard, then what happens is that leaves room for the enemy to come in and begin to dictate and direct your life. So it's so important, especially when you're going through challenging seasons or or, uh, seasons where you're walking through something to not allow your heart, which Jeremiah 17 says is deceitfully wicked, who can know the thoughts, uh, you know, intentions of the heart, but God, God knows those thoughts and intentions. And sometimes our heart fights because it's, you know, it has issues. We have selfishness, we have pride, we have uh, things that, that are in our heart that try to vie for position over the Holy Spirit, over God's spirit in our life, trying to minister to us or trying to get us to surrender. And so what we have to do is just stay faithful, you know, because in a moment, sometimes you're not going to feel like it. You're not going to, you're not going to be like, oh, all of a sudden you're just perfect, right? No, you have to walk things out with God and that's okay. And God's faithful to walk them with you where people come and are impatient and, you know, people can be the meanest representations of, of, I mean, think about it. Like you meet a lion in the street and he's going to, he's going to eat you because he's hungry, Right. A lion doesn't have like his heart's not crooked and evil. He doesn't have like, you know, he's not thinking, oh, look at that guy who, how hot he is, or he thinks he's somebody or judging you. A lion's just like, oh, wow, look at that piece of meat. I'm hungry. You know, a dog's not looking at you going, oh, look at that, you know, guy who thinks he's something special or jealous or, you know, oh, look at his nice shoes. I wish I had shoes like that. You know, and I'm gonna go pee on his shoes. (laughs) Dog's not thinking that. But humans will, you know, a human will look at you and then have all these thoughts and opinions and judgments about you and literally create something because their own heart, right, is wrong. 
and they can become an enemy or, or, or position themselves to just be an obstacle in your life. And what happens is God is sovereign and he sees these things and he knows it and he can be a protector. He's a protector of your life. He's somebody who will stand for you, be with you, stand with you, supernaturally protect you. So let's go ahead and just pray and then we're going to get into the word. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for just everything, God. You're good. The air I breathe, you know, a place to lay my head. I thank you for provision. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that your presence doesn't leave us. You never leave or forsake us. We might leave you. Our heart might get grumpy, whatever it is, and we might be distant. But God, you're not distant. You're just a prayer away. You're just a song away. You're just a broken heart away. God, all we have to do is yield and surrender and you're right there. You, you're not like, like, just like, no, I'm not going to come minister to you. No, God, you minister to us every single time. And I thank you for that. I thank you for your faithfulness to me, that you love me and that you care about me. More than I could ever care about myself, more than my parents could care about me, more than any of my friends, my family, my wife, more than anyone can love me, God, you love me beyond, deeper, wider, higher, stronger than any love. And nothing can separate us from that love. And we know that by what the scripture says. Height, no depth, nor demon, nor principality. Uh, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and turn to Psalms 18. And I'm going to read the, from the Psalms today, and then we're going to read one more. And hopefully I can get to it and not take too long. Sometimes I just, I get going and I, and I don't realize how, how time just flies by. But in Psalms 18, in verse 1, it says, I love you fervently and devotedly, O Lord, my strength. I love you fervently and devotedly, O Lord, my strength. You are my strength, God. You are the one that I'm devoted to. And I will not stop. I will be fervent. I will be steadfast in my pursuit of you, even when it hurts, even when it's painful, even when it seems uh, like everything's crashing in, even when it seems like uh, there's, there's pressure, there's disappointment, there's uh, people who are angry. There's people who have a, you know, are uh, frowns when they think about you and they frown and uh, they have attitudes and opinions. I will love you still for you are my rock, my fortress, the one who rescues me. God, you are a rescuer. You're a deliverer. You're the foundation I stand on. You are my fortress. You, you surround me. You know, this is the truth of who he is. You know, sometimes you, you don't see that or you don't feel that or life can seem like God's not there. He's, he's just kind of abandoned you and you feel lonely or you feel, but you know what? It's not the truth. You have to understand you have an enemy. His name is the devil. And also you have a flesh that hates God because your flesh has been doomed to die right? This body is going to go in the ground. It's going to get old. It's going to decay. And it doesn't want to. It wants to live forever. Your flesh doesn't want to die, but it's going to one day die. If you don't kill it now, 
spiritual in the spiritual sense, it's going to die in the physical sense, no matter what. But there is a there is a dying to it daily to where you have to silence it because it wants to destroy your life. It wants to pull you away from God. It wants to push you in a direction that God doesn't want you to go in. So you have to be uh, steadfast and faithful and devoted to the Lord. And when this happens, I believe when you stay in a place of I'm not giving up, even when it, it hurts, even if you're going with anger and frustration in your heart before the Lord, God's not like, hey, don't come back. Don't come here until you get your attitude right. Don't come, don't come here with that anger. No, God accepts us. He's God, right? Because nothing moves him. He's not like, oh my gosh, why are you so mad? Like, go chill out, go take a chill pill and then come back and talk to me. No, he will listen to you even when you're raging and frustrated and upset and hurt and sad and miserable. God is not like distant from you. He's right there. All he wants you to do is open up, open up your heart. That's what intimacy is, right? Into me, see God. Maybe you've heard that before, but that's a, a, a saying. Look into me and see me, see where I'm at. And God just wants us to make a choice to open up our heart and our life and say, into me, see, see the desires, see the things in my life, have your way. I don't, you know, sometimes we don't have the strength to just make it everything perfect, right? Like all of a sudden in a moment, you're just, oh, you're perfect. Yeah, every thought, every intention, every area of your life is just perfection, right? We want to be in that place, but I don't believe we actually get there until we get rid of this, this body, right? This flesh. We can, by faith, we can, we can daily die to self, die to our flesh, and let Christ arise and have his power operating in our life to where we don't, um, you know, we don't have that constant struggle going on on the inside because we're breaking, we're letting go of things, we're healing, we're getting stronger, and the Lord's working in our life. But we have to allow that to happen. So the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and the one who rescues me. He's a rescuer. He, he comes in. Like, like the people that are, you know, on the, um, in the river and they're, and they're about to drown, but the guys come in with the helicopter and they drop down and they rescue the person who's trying to survive in a moment, moments, if they would have just been there, uh, moments longer, they would have died, but no, the rescuer comes in and rescues them. And it's the hero the saves the day, saves their life. And that's who God is. God is the, the, the best rescuer. And God does use people. God can send people your way. For all the, for the 10 people that hate you and want to stand in your way, God's got 40 of them that are for you, that stand with you, that'll stand beside you, that'll speak life over you. For every one, God's got 10 good ones, right? For every one bad, stinky heart, bad attitude person towards you or opinion, God's got 10 good ones that, that he can raise up to help you, to, to go with you, to stand with you, defend you. My God, my rock and strength in whom I trust and I take refuge in. He's my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved from my enemies. I am saved from my enemies. God saves you from your enemies. He stands with you. And he knows who your enemies are. He knows who they are before you even know who they are. You know, sometimes people 
uh, they hide or they disguise. They, you know, they, they act one way, but then behind the scenes, there's this thing going on. You weren't even aware of it until it manifests in your life, until you hear a, a, you know, a word in the wind coming down the, the, the devil's pipeline of, oh, did you hear what so-and-so, oh, this person thinks this about you, or this person said so, what and what about you, right? God's your deliverer. God stands with you. You don't have to react. You don't have to curse back. You don't have to be like, oh, yeah, well, let me send some bad negative information about them down the pipeline. And let me call so-and-so and, and talk, talk nonsense about this person to this person. That, that, those are enemies to, to your life. When you have people in your life who want to only point out what's wrong with you or who want to like somehow find how you're not good enough, how you're not, you're not, um, whatever it is, you know, I don't know. You don't smile enough. I don't know. Whatever it is that people create, create, uh, to try to come after you to make you like you're not good enough. When God says you are, when God says you're holy, when God says you're righteous, when God stands with you and he loves you, you know, it's, it's like when you have a relationship with somebody, there's a closeness there. There's a faith. There's an understanding that, look, man, you, when you mess with me, you're not messing with just me. You're messing with my God because my daddy loves me. My God loves me. It's like a little kid. If, if somebody was picking on you, you start thinking about, you know, for those who had a good father or somebody in their life or a brother, brother, you, you want to mess with me? Oh, you're going to mess with my brother, right? You're going to mess my, oh yeah, well, my dad, he's bigger than you are. <laughs> or because you build this relationship with those people and there's a love and a bond that's there and that bond there's strength there's security and that's how god is in your life more than any person will ever be god is that in your life he is the shield the horn of, my, of your salvation he's your high tower he's your stronghold he's your place to run to you can call upon him and he is worthy to be praised he saves us from all of our enemies the cords of death surrounded me and the streams of ungodliness and torrents of destruction terrified me and we can see today there are streams of ungodliness there are torrents of destruction we see countries we see cities uh in ukraine right now with the war being destroyed there are but there are people there that are believers and god is with them god is for them though there's ungodliness and torrents of destruction around them there is a God who stands with them. There's a God who will supernaturally protect them, deliver them, be with them, stand with them. And, and not only that, but there will be a day, there will be a reckoning for those who stand in the way of God and try to come after those that he loves. He's not mocked. You can't play with, with God's anointed and the ones that, God's, that God loves. You don't get to try to mess around and get involved and try to stand in the way of those that God has called and those that God loves. Even if you think that you're, you know, like it's weird because being in church and in ministry and about around Christians, you can see this dynamic happen in the church and it's it's sad and it has to be addressed like I would say for any healthy church, any organization, they would have to at least once to twice a year really hit these things because it's the very thing that begins to grow underneath the surface in, in, in uh, environments, communities where you have these little foxes that spoil the vine, right? Little attitudes, little heart issues, little pe people come in, they have 
they're disgruntled or they have issues and they don't there's no place to deal with them. There's nobody there really helping or pastoring them. So they, they fester and they and then they get upset and disgruntled. And one moment they're happy, the next moment they're mad, they're da- and then the next thing you know, they're going around talking a bunch of dirt about everybody in the church. And, and then they run to the next church down the street and they go and just blast everybody that was in that church to this church. And then they, and then they, you know, the people in that church are so desperate for people that they let that person in. And then they, you know, it's like a, a, a cycle that somebody gets in and they start blasting on God's people. And it's like, you can't do that. You have to stand firm with God and who God is in your life and not let the enemy come in and take control of your mouth and keep you from really entering into your blessing that God has for you. We don't have to look at other people and their blessings and covet and uh, be jealous. And that's the very thing that actually will keep you from your blessing and your uh, what God has for you, right? People who, uh, who are single and they look at a married couple and they are a, a young man who sees a, a married woman and then starts lusting after the guy's wife he's he, she's already taken but this guy's over here wishing that he could be with her and has these thoughts and starts to act out on them and you know because he's content he doesn't realize that God has a beautiful woman for him because he's so stuck and the enemy hasn't been trapped right so he starts looking at somebody else's stuff or, or uh, their wife or their kids or their car or their house or their position, right? And next thing you know, there's a, there's a, um, a lust for that or a uh, covet. You start coveting. Oh, I wish I had that. You know, you get in this attitude or you see somebody who uh, has freedom and, and joy. And the next thing you know, you're mad because you're... <laughs> You're in a relationship that's hard or whatever. And the next thing you know, you don't want to be married. You want to be single. And you're you're coveting the single person's life, right? Oh, if I didn't have somebody telling me what to do all the time or, you know, you get in. So it's like, it's just never this like perfection in anything in life. And that's why you have to have, I believe, a relationship with God because he brings balance. He brings, he smooths out those things. He, he comes in and exposes those things in our heart so that we have to deal with them, with him and sometimes with people. Sometimes we have to humble ourselves and apologize, humble ourselves and take a step towards somebody who in our heart we have an issue with, who in our heart we don't even know them, but we've created or the enemy has allowed uh, or we've allowed the enemy to create this oppositional thing in our heart when we don't even know these people we're not even like in relationship with them and the next thing you know you have judgments and you have preconceived ideas and you miss out on maybe what god was wanting to do because of your own insecurity your own immaturity and your own inability to uh be open and transparent with people you know i i believe that this robs a lot of christians from deep fellowship because you know, you live long enough and you get, you're going to get hurt by people. You live long enough, you're going to get offended by people. And what happens is you'll start to b- build a wall of protection. And the very wall you think is protecting you is actually keeping you, keeping people out. And it's keeping God out. So we have to have this ability to really be able to take hits and keep on ticking. Take hits, stay transparent, stay strong, stay whole. And that takes time to develop. I don't believe you can just have that overnight. I believe there's there's process and there's there's a shaping and a. It's kind of like a, 
you know, the Olympics, they train before they go into that. And it's the same thing in Christianity. You have to train and be conditioned in your heart and in your mind to be a loving, uh, radical, quick to forgive, right? Slow to speak, slow to wrath. All these things, it takes a conditioning. It takes a you partnering with God and allowing him to train you up in the ways that he has for you, for you to walk in the spirit and not walk in the flesh. So many Christians just think they have it, right? Like I get saved and it's just all done. And then they hit a bump in the road and everything goes crazy and their reaction is totally fleshly, carnal, and they have no ability to discern it, no ability, nobody in their life is helping them to discern it. And they just make all these bad decisions and they they get in this disgruntled place. The next thing you know, they break relationships, they they hurt people around them because there's no maturity there to, to handle when the enemy comes and brings blows or when or, or you know, just people who have open doors in their own heart of jealousy, envy, anger, bitterness in their heart, or suspicion, whatever it is that those things begin to actually allow room for the enemy to work. And God's up there going, Hey, turn, come on. I need you to spend time with me because I need to show you where he's, what he's doing, how he's working you, how he's playing you. The enemy loves to get into our emotions and run our lives through our emotions. Instead of letting the spirit of God run our life and, and God will definitely touch your emotions and use your emotions, but they're holy emotions. They're not carnal emotions. Your carnal emotions will always produce death and produce destruction in your life. But holy emotions, godly emotions will produce peace, life. They'll bring you, they'll mend broken bridges. They'll mend wounds, right? You can't, you can't help other people who don't want to forgive, but you can keep your own heart in a place of forgiveness. You can contend and be the tend your own garden, right? You can make sure that your heart is pure before the Lord. And how do you do that? When you get around the people that bother you, you, you're able to love them. When you get around people that you don't like and you're able to see them through God's eyes and speak and prophesy over them and, and minister into their life, into their future. You know, being in, in the worship ministry uh, or music ministry for a while now, you, you get around, you know, we went to worship school, ministry school, and you have all these young people who, who are young in the Lord, they're young in life and experience, and they all have the same passion, desire. They want to lead worship. They want to be seen, you know, uh, and all this stuff kind of has to get burned out of you. And you have to learn, oh, it's not about these things, even though your heart and the carnal nature of you tries to push in those directions. And you have to let the Holy Spirit kind of work and form and, and you keep your, your heart in the right place. It's about God. Worship isn't about position. It's not about clout. It's not about being famous. It's not about having a, a song on the radio, right? Like worship is about God. You know, worship is about blessing him and leading people into an experience where God shows up. It's not about having a pretty voice. It's not about dressing cool. It's not about, you know, just being great at, a, at an instrument. You can have people who are okay at an instrument, but they bring the, the glory and the fire of God. You can have people who have an okay voice, but when they open their voice, heaven falls and you feel the love of God. You encounter and experience the presence of God. And then you have people who can sing and well and, and have the be- a beautiful voice, but then you get around them and they're stuck up and they're, they're, you know, their nose is up. They, they, they don't even like, there's no doorway that have like even a friendly conversation with them. Because they're so wrapped up in their own self and mind 
that when they get around other people, they're not thinking about them. They're only thinking about themselves. And you have to be able to open up, talk, have a conversation, ask questions. The best thing you can do to build a relationship is ask people questions about them. Ask, ask questions, right? Hey, how are you? Hey, what are you? Hey, what is this? And begin to build, you know, a rapport and conversation with somebody. But when you're quiet and you don't have anything to say and you just kind of walk by people and it's so impersonable and it actually, it allows for the enemy to then come in and replace what words could have been there, godly words that you could have opened your mouth and said. Instead, the enemy comes in and starts speaking negative things to them. Oh, they didn't look at you. Oh, they didn't look at how they didn't. Oh, they don't care about you. Oh, they don't even love you. Or they don't even care for you. You know what I mean? Like, like the enemy's right there to just start spewing a bunch of garbage into your mind because he doesn't want you to get closer to God. He definitely doesn't want you to get close to godly people who can help and benefit your life. He wants to keep you isolated and cut off from that because there's a life source in fellowship, in community, in having relationship. There's a godly source that you can only get from God. God created and ordained it that way. So we know that God is there for us. He stands with us. The cords of death surrounded me and the streams of ungodliness and torrents of destruction terrified me. The cords of Sheol, the netherworld, the place of the dead surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, when I, was, when I seemed surrounded, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God for help. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry for help came before him into his very ears. Think about that. That is so cool. When you're in distress, when you seem like all hope is lost, when it looks like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And when you cry to the Lord and when you cry out to God, he hears with his very ears your cry. He can hear when you're crying out for the Lord. There's nothing like a, an actual, genuine, desperate cry for God. God hears. He has ears to hear what you're doing. There's even a scripture that says, is his hand not uh, his hand is not too short that he cannot reach and his ear is not deaf that he cannot hear. God hears. And when he hears, it says, then the earth shook and quaked. The foundations of the mountains trembled. They were shaken because he was indignant and angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and fire from his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down and thick darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub, a storm and flew. And he, oh, he sped on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his hiding place, his pavilion around him, the darkness of the waters, the thick clouds of the skies. Out of the brightness before him passed his thick clouds, hailstones and coals of fire. This is like, you know, <laughs> epic right here. This whole scene of God moving because of the cry of somebody he loves, right? God moving on our behalf. And it's like this theatrical display of just heaven shaking and God moving with lightning coming in anger at the at the distress of his beloved at the distress of those he loves the Lord also thundered in the heavens and the most high uttered his voice hailstones and coals of fire he sent out his arrows and scattered them and he sent in an abundance of lightning flashes and confused 
and routed them in defeat. Then the stream beds of the waters appeared and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, and the blast of your breath of your nostrils. He reached from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster. Isn't that just like people, right? You live long enough. People really like to rub it in when, when disaster strikes. That's why you, you're thankful for the ones who are there for you. You're thankful for the ones who stand with you in disaster, who holds your hand, who, who come and, and embrace you and encourage you and push you forward. But you know what? It's really hard to love the ones who come in and kick you when you're down who come in and actually despise you and try to say, see, told you so. Oh, look at you did the wrong thing or whatever it is. You know, they have like this ugly spirit. There's no like genuine like love for you. It's just this, ha ha ha, right? And they're actually happy. People, it's crazy how you can see some people actually revel in other people's pain. It's like this whole uh, uh, court case with Johnny Depp. And, and this girl, uh, Amanda, Amanda, and no, sorry, Amber, Amber Heard, that, that their relationship was so dysfunctional and it's no God, right? Just drugs, alcohol, selfishness, pride, right? Uh, narcissist, whatever you want to call it. They both were narcissists. I mean, you can't be an actor in Hollywood and not have some form of narcissism because you ha- it's about you. The whole industry is built on you having headshots. It's built on you being somebody and, and you know, you're the product and you have to f- believe in yourself. You have to have this you know, over uh, unhealthy view so that you can try to book a gig and then you're competing with all these other people. So you're cut, you, know, you could be cutthroat. And so you have this girl who's broken and busted and you have this man who's broken and busted, drug addict, has everything in life millions of dollars i think before all this happened he's worth what 900 million almost a billion dollars more money than you would ever need in a lifetime owned an island had penthouses at the top of a skyscraper in downtown la i mean but yet needed so much drugs like cocaine anything he could do alcohol just pumping it into his veins just needed it to to function his normal was to be inebriated because of whatever pain, whatever undealt with stuff. This is the black hole of what people have when they don't have God or they don't have something else replacing that. I believe it needs to be God and the Holy Spirit. I believe it needs to be Jesus because we're talking about eternity. We're talking about the reality of our life. But you know what? Some people find it in other stuff. They're able to to walk it out with other things in their life. And I don't judge them for it, but I do would preach the gospel to them if I saw them. Because I believe there is an eternity and there is a they were created by a God and they need to know they need to have the opportunity to respond to him. And they can fill it with all this other new agey Zen stuff and maybe have some good results, but they're still gonna miss it at the end. Because it's about God. It's about a relationship with Him. And so we see here, God is a rescuer. He rescues me from my strong enemy. That means the enemy sometimes looks stronger than you. 
and they are stronger than you. They're bigger, they're better, they have more money, they have more clout, they have more influence, they have more friends. They have, it looks like they're, they're surrounding you, right? But yet, when God is on your side, no matter how many people, the strongest they think they are, they're not stronger than him. Neither are they more wise than him. For he is God, and he is powerful, and he is amazing. And he can flip the script in a moment. And from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. And for whatever reason, there's going to be times in your life where there's just going to be people that just don't like you. You don't know why. Maybe there is something you did, but they never tell you. And they just don't like you. And you're just like, geez, man, I, maybe I, if I knew what I did wrong, I would apologize. Or I would maybe if I could change something to, to but at the end of the day, you're like, you're not trying to. You know, it's not about people liking you. You're not trying to like have this, you know, um, fear of man. Well, let me change who I am so that people like me and I I can't be really who I am and have people like me for who I am. They got to they got I got to morph and be transformed into who they want me to be so that they can like me. That's not the way you live your life. If you need to change and correct things, then it's done by the Lord and uh, on the soul level. And he shapes and forms you into something beautiful. But you can't let people's, you know, them being disgruntled, unless you're like obviously doing something wrong and sinful, then no wonder people don't like you. But if it's, if it's just you being you and, and there's whatever it is that, that they just don't like you. I don't, I don't understand it. I've experienced it in my life. Maybe they just don't like the way you look. <laughs> I've had times like that in my life where you just look at somebody and you have to correct your heart, right? You're like, oh, I don't know if I'd like that guy. He he seems like a, you know, a, I'll, I'll replace a word with butthead, right? He he doesn't look, he, oh, what's wrong? Oh, this guy, you know, and you get these preconceived things that just really come from the pit of hell and they come from your soul and they're not godly. And the next thing you know, you have a two towards somebody you don't even know. You never even connected with. You never even like, spent time with and got to know and and let God's love flow through your life and speak and minister into their life. But no, the enemy automatically puts something up in your mind. You take hold of it. And the next thing you know, you don't like somebody for no reason. It's really bizarre, but people are that way. And they will always be that way because they're broken and they're sinful, right? They have their little clicks. Oh, we like these people because we know we know them, but these other people over here, we don't like because we don't know them. And that's the basis of it. I don't know you, therefore I don't like you. But if you knew me, or if I knew you, we'd probably like each other. But the dynamic of that happening takes effort, time, and energy, so you don't do it. And you'd rather just take the time and effort with the people you know, and that's immaturity, and that's silly, and that actually doesn't help anybody, and it's definitely not God's heart or his way. But anyways, to get back to this, there are people who hate hate you. You're going to have people who stand against you. They're going to have people who have wrong opinions where the, de- the devil's got control over their heart when it comes to you. And they're going to try to speak things that are evil. And they're going to want to like basically just stand in your way. But God is your support. The Lord is and was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. His hand was on my life. He protected me. He brought me out into a broad place, a place of protection, an open place, a place, uh, a space for me to figure life out, for me to walk it out with him. He rescued me because he was pleased with me and delighted in me. 
He rescues us because he loves us. He rescues us because he delights in us. The Lord deals with me according to my righteousness, my my moral character, my spiritual integrity. You know, it's one thing if you're funky and you're ugly and you're just like, you know, it's like, it's hard for God to step in, even though he can and he, he will sometimes. He's, his grace is so awesome. His mercy is so awesome. He's merciful. He just, he steps in even when it's our fault, even when we mess up, right? He's still there for us. But then there's times where, no, he lets us have to like learn the hard way or he lets us take a little bit of a butt whooping to, to turn our heads back and, and get on our face before him because he wants our attention. And it's not that he's like up there wanting to hurt us, but it's just a matter of like, this is the way that it's going to help us hopefully push into him and not get hard and hard and rebel and push further away from him. But the Lord deals with us according to our righteousness, moral character, spiritual integrity. Because of Jesus Christ, we are righteous. We are holy. And it has to come out in our character, has to come out in our thoughts, in our life, in the way we live. And when we do live righteous, when we do make moral choices and things that are and use integrity and we're faithful and we're honest and we're doing things the right way there is a reward there are things there where god shows up and and he blesses us even in then some because of those choices we make it's just a it's like a um a law it's a law that's in place when you honor those laws those laws will benefit you but when you disregard them they will actually hurt you they will actually show you that uh, sorry, you're breaking these laws, right? Spiritual laws. There's a lot of natural laws. There's a lot of laws people bend. There's a lot of laws that are unjust. There's laws that are just crazy. They don't even make sense, like abortion, right? There's 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 systematic laws that actually help the the uh, benefit and corrupt system of government to continue to do what it's doing and be dishonest, to, to embezzle money, to do things that are corrupt. There's laws that protect. Uh, there in the past, criminals. There were laws that protected people from heinous crimes. And then there was laws that were sensible, like, hey, don't go 100 miles an hour down a street where there's kids and people. Don't go down, you know, there's speed limits. There's laws there that protect us. There's lights uh, that say, hey, you stop here so this guy can go here. And if there was no law, you would have somebody saying, I'm going to go through no matter what and just plow through and hit somebody and kill them, Right. So there's laws that are actually practical laws. Then there's laws that are stupid. But we still have to abide by them. We still have to try to, you know, figure it out. And then there's laws that you don't. I I believe that you have the spiritual law supersedes natural law. And that's where you have to embrace God's law above uh, man's law or man's, uh, even if it's an unjust law. Like in the Bible where they wanted um, Daniel to bow and and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right, to to bow. And they said, no, we're not going to bow. We're not going to. The law was they had to bow, and they said no. They broke that, and they and they tried to kill him. But what happened? The Lord rescued them supernaturally. He was in the fire with them, so he's a rescuer. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has rewarded me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. There's the key not wickedly departed when it got tough when it was hard when things didn't seem to be going well i have not wickedly departed meaning oh this doesn't work oh god's not real oh oh god doesn't love me oh this is disappointing you let all this stuff come in and you wickedly depart from god you're like i'm i'm not going to do this christian thing it's all fake right you see that in the news today men of god who were uh, writing books and ministers and the next thing you know they're they're renouncing their christianity and then they're totally flipped I would call that wickedly departing from their God. 
for all his ordinance were before me and I put and I did not put away his statutes from me. I did not remove his law. I did not remove his truth, who he is. I was blameless before him and I kept myself free from sin. Therefore, the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness. So uh, uh, let's go back to this 23. I was blameless before him and I, and I kept myself free from sin. You're blameless before God because of Jesus Christ. You're not blameless before God because of your ability to keep the law. You don't have to do this anymore, right? This was the Old Testament. You're blameless because of Jesus. But you do have to keep yourself from sin. Sin is still a th- thing in the earth <clears throat> and people still do it. And it still has, uh, it has consequences. So if you live in sin, and I'm not talking about like sin that you're, you know, you're struggling, you're walking through something and you're just, you're walking with God and God's, you know, you're, you're walking with God through something. It's another thing to wickedly depart from God, live in sin and say, oh, I don't care, F God, right? You have that attitude. And when I say F, you know what I mean, okay? <laughs> like people do that. They say, screw God, you know, whatever, put a fist up, shake it at him. Um, I'm talking about people who are like, you know, struggling. They love God, but they're broken. They're wounded. They're, uh, they're, they're uh, lame in the sense of like they're broken and they need to be whole. They need Jesus. They, they need people that are going to help mend the wounds, that are going to set them on a path. They're going to speak over their life. They're going to bring deliverance. You know, the anointing of God is the power to set people free. Okay. The anointing of God. Uh, I heard this said somewhere. I can't remember, but somebody said something like the, um, the anointing of God is, is truth lived out in your life. And I was like, and, and it's like, that's not, that's, I mean, okay. That's sounds great. But the anointing of God is actually the thing that is the power of God to set people free from bondage. The, anoint, the truth lived out part is you actually being disciplined and empowered by the Holy Spirit to live out truth. That's something you get in agreement with God. And maybe the anointing is a part of you living that out. But really the anointing that Jesus talks about for the Lord has anointed me, right? To what? Preach the gospel, to open blind eyes, to set at liberty those who are captive. The anointing is there to break the yoke. Right, the, when people are anointed, when they sing, and the anointing comes in the room, and then next thing you know, somebody's over here in the corner. They're weeping. The touch of God is on them. They're they're being set free. Over here, somebody's having a revelation. God's real. The anointing brings change. It brings transformation. The anointing isn't a feeling. It's not just a oh, it, you can feel it, but it's not just a feeling. If that's the case, go to the massage parlor and listen to the music and have the person, you know, give you a, a nice back rub and you're going to have a feeling. But it's not going to change your life. It's not going to set you free from bondage. The anointing of God comes to set the captive free, to bring deliverance, to open blind eyes. That's what the anointing is. Okay, it's we're not going to teach other things about the anointing when it's simply breaking yokes and destroying the work of the enemy. That's what we're anointed to do, okay? And maybe, I guess, if you want to go into like, well, you know, maybe somebody can like play basketball really well, like Michael Jordan, right? The guy was anointed to play b-ball. Supernaturally, the guy was like one of the best. Tiger Woods is anointed to play golf. The guy can get the golf ball in the hole. 
So if you want to look at another example of what the anointing is, it's the ability to get the job done and do it with excellence and do it like it's easy. The anointing, there's an ease to it, right? The anointing brings, there's a uh, an ease to it in what you do. You don't have to like struggle and labor and it's hard and miserable. No, the, the anointing comes in to make it supernatural, to break off the enemy. You don't have to sit there with a demon and, like the Catholics do and do all this Domini Sub that about that and like have a cross and do holy water and spend a month trying to cast the demon out. No, you're anointed to say, go. Whoops, sorry, I just hit the table. Go and the devil leaves in a moment. That's the anointing of God. The other stuff is just religious, spooky baloney and people just wrestling with people's flesh. Or you're trying to tell a demon to go and you got some religious person there has no anointing trying to cast out devils. It's nonsense. Sometimes it's just theater. And I kept myself free from sin. Therefore, the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, moral character, spiritual integrity, according to the cleanness of my hands in in his sight, with the kind, merciful, faithful, loyal, you show yourself kind. With the blameless, you show yourself blameless. So he's, he's going into seed now. With those who are merciful, you show yourself mercy. With those who are blameless, you show yourself blameless. With the pure, you show yourself pure. And with those who are crooked, you show yourself astute. For you have afflicted and humble people. For you, sorry. <laughs> it says, for you save and afflicted and humble people. God comes and delivers and saves those who are humble, who are broken, who are leaning upon him, who are crying out to him, right? You're not trying to get it, do it all in your strength and be proud and, oh, nobody can, I mean, I got this figured out, you know, that kind of attitude. You're in, the, I'm, I'm doing this all by myself type of thing. No, that actually can bring a, a, a painful breaking experience. But God comes in and saves those who are afflicted and humble those who are crying out, those who are saying, God, we need you. God, please help us. God, please help our nation. Please help. Please, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you. And God comes and brings deliverance. And he brings down those who are arrogant with haughty eyes, who are proud. For you cause my lamp to be lighted and to shine. You are the reason why I shine. You're the reason why my life has uh, the light of God. Because the Lord, my God, illumines my darkness. For by you, I can crush a troop. When you're on my life, here's the anointing, right? For you, for by you, I can crush a troop. And by my God, I can leap over a wall. I can, be, I can supernaturally overcome and defeat the enemy in my life because of God. I can, I can walk in victory because of who he is and, the, and what he did on the cross. I can be victorious because he is, victor, because he is my victory. As for God, his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tested. It's, it's perfect. It is faultless. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? Or who is a rock except our God? The God who encircles me with strength and makes my way blameless. He makes my feet like hind's feet, able to stand firmly and tread safely on paths of testing and trouble. He makes my feet like, like a deer, like the, like the, the deer that go high in the mountains and can climb up and, and tread upon ground that's, that would, people could fall and break their neck. But with you, you're able to tread safely on paths of testing and trouble. When you're walking through a, a troubling season, God has anointed you to walk through that and to be with you as you go through 
uh, a scary season or a time of trial. He sets you securely upon high places. He trains your hands for war. He teaches you how to fight, how to, how to fight the warfare and the good fight of faith. Not fight people, not punch people in the face, not shoot people with guns. But he teaches you how to fight in the spirit, how to walk in victory. And that doesn't mean that um, if somebody tries to come and, and rob your freedoms and kill you with a gun, that God's saying, hey, don't worry about it. Go give them a hug, right? And maybe there's some Christians that want to do that. But for me, you know, and maybe God will correct me when I get to the end. But if somebody's coming with a gun, hey, I'm going to have a gun ready to tell you uh, back off, right? Either because this is going to be a fight. You're not taking my freedom. You're not going to come and shove down my kid's throat what you want. You're not going to abuse my family. You're not going to lie to me. You're not going to know. This is America. I have I have uh, blood in this in this game. You know, my ancestors anyways. I didn't fight any wars, but I had a grandfather who fought in the war. And I had a great, great grandfather who fought in the Civil War. And they, they fought for freedom. They fought for America. And for America to stay America and have freedom and liberty, there's going to be a people who are going to have to, with that same spirit, fight for her. And I will be one of those who fights for my country. Because I'm not going to let it become... Uh, just some hellhole because you have a bunch of people who ha- who are godless who don't care about God or who have nothing who actually hate God and just want to destroy and just have all their way and be perverse and wicked and 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 destroy our country. No, thank you. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand upholds and sustains me. Your gentleness, your gracious response when I pray makes me great. This is beautiful right here. This right here. Your gentleness, your gracious response when I pray, when I spend time with you, when I talk to you, it makes me great. It makes me grateful. It makes me thankful. It also makes me great. I am great because you speak to me. I am great because you pay attention to me. I am wonderful and great and fabulous. I don't need people to praise me. I don't need people to pat me on the back. I don't need people to write an article about me and put me on the cover of a magazine. I have a God in heaven who speaks to me, who hears me when I talk to him. When I pray, he hears, he listens, and he responds to me. He enlarges my path beneath me and makes my steps secure. That's another beautiful one. He enlarges the path beneath me and he makes every step secure that I do not slip, that I do not fall so that my feet will not slip. I pursued my enemies and I overtook them and I did not turn back until they were consumed. I shattered them so that they were not able to rise. They fell wounded under my feet for you have encircled me with strength for the battle. The enemy is defeated. Jesus did this right here. Jesus pursued his enemies. He's overtook him. The devil, the hell and the grave, the deep demonic spirits. He over he had he has victory over them. He shattered them so that they were not able to rise. They fell wounded under his feet and they're under our feet and we have to walk with God and be trained and condition our heart 
for this fight, for this warfare, because the enemy is constantly trying to deceive us, try, trying to make us think he's not defeated. He, we're, we're not good enough. We, we can't make it. We, he uses our mistakes and our sin to be open doors to come in and, and bring defeat in our life instead of us repenting and asking God and turning to God when we struggle, when we fail and running to him. We try to run to other things and run to the world or run to people who actually help us turn from God instead of run to God. For you, God, have encircled me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also made my enemies turn their backs to me in defeat. And I silenced and destroyed those who hated me. They cried for help, but there was none to save them. Even to the Lord, they cried, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them fine as the dust before the wind. I emptied them out as the dirt of the streets. You have rescued me from the contentions of the people. You have placed me as the head of the nations, a people who have not know who I have not known serve me. As soon as they hear me, they respond and obey me. Foreigners feign obedience to me. Foreigners lose heart and come trembling out of the strongholds. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. And may the God of my salvation be exalted, the God who avenges me and subdues people, nations under me. He rescues me from my enemies. Yes, you lift me up above those who rise up against me. You deliver me from the man of violence. Therefore will I give thanks and praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing praises to your name. He gives great triumphs to his king and shows steadfast love and mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. And you know who David's descendant was? Jesus. You know who David's descendants are if we're in Christ? We are. Those who believe, those who have a relationship with God. We're the descendants of David. And they say we're, you know, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. And there is a truth to that Abrahamic covenant, but the the Davidic covenant, right? The one that Jesus was born from, that worshiper, that warrior, that that um, man after God's own heart to, to say, I want a heart like David is to say, God, I want to, I want to be like you. I want to be like my daddy. I want to think like you I want to act like you I want to talk like you. I don't want to disappoint you. That's the heart of a David is to have the heart of a son to a father. And God's heart is always a father's heart to a son. He is, he's the greatest example of a father. That's the end of that uh, Psalm. But I think I'm just going to quickly read through this other Psalm that I had. Um, in my heart, and that's Psalms 144, and then we'll, we're going to wrap up because I believe I'm getting close to the time here. But God is so awesome, and this right here, Psalms 44, is a Psalm of David, one we're just talking about, and this is David saying, Bless, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, and my great strength. So it kind of starts out the same. Who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my steadfast loving kindness and my fortress. This is what God is to David. This is what God is to us. My steadfast loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my rescuer, my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. Lord, what is man that you take notice of him or the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a mere breath. His days are like a shadow that pass away. Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they will smoke. Flash lightning and scatter my enemies. Send your arrows and confuse and embarrass and frustrate them. Those enemies, those ones who really are not just enemies of you, but they're enemies of God. They stand against God. They stand against what he stands for, his heart. 
You know, there's people who are even in ministry who actually stand against the gospel of Jesus Christ because they're so wrapped up in the politics of it all that they actually stand in the way of the gospel for political gain, political means. It's disgusting. But God, you stretch out your hand from above. You set me free and rescue me from great waters out of the hands of hostile foreigners who surround us, whose mouths speak deceit without restraint, whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God. Upon a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you, who gives salvation to kings, who sets David, his servant, free from the evil sword. Set me free and rescue me from the hand of hostile foreigners, whose mouth speak deceit without restraint, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Let our sons in their youth be like plants full grown and our daughters like corner pillars fashioned for a palace. Let our barns be full, supplying every kind of produce and our flocks bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. Let us, God, have provision and abundance in a time of famine. God, you will watch over your flock. You will watch over your, your children. You will make sure they have more than enough even when the world is crying out and saying, oh, we don't have enough. And when they're saying, oh, there's not enough. God, you are our source of supply. And the whole world has to take reckon uh, and recognize that you are the source of life. You're awesome, God. And I thank you, Lord, for provision. I thank you, God, for supernatural supply. In the time of need, you're there. You are uh, the God who owns everything. Let our cattle bear without mishap and without loss. And let there be no outcry in our streets. How blessed and favored are the people in such circumstance. How blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored are the people whose God is the Lord. You are our God. You are our Lord. Father, we give you glory. We worship you. You are our Abba. We are your sons and we are your daughters. We give our life to you. We surrender our life to you. In moments of joy and prosperity and, 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 and favor and blessing, we rejoice. In moments of pain and sorrow and loss and where it feels uh, all things are, are crashing, God, we bless you. We glorify you. We turn to you. We run to you. Our salvation, our shelter, our refuge, our strong tower. You are our fortress that we can run into and be safe. You are our God. And Lord, I pray right now for anyone listening, God, I pray for that, that revelation and that faith to rise up on the inside of them, to know that, God, that you belong to them and they belong to you, that your hand is on their life. I pray for your presence even now to, to come over them, to arrest them, to embrace them, to break off every lie of the devil, to break off every fear of man, fear of, of, of failure, fear of not having enough, fear of destruction, fear of loss, fear of death. I break it right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit surrounds them, empowers them, loves on them. Let them feel your love. Let them be embraced by you, Lord. Touch them even now, Lord, with your Holy Spirit and with your fire. Let them hear your voice that says, I love you have you, you're mine, I'll protect you, I'll guide you, I'll comfort you, I'll be there for you, I'll stand with you, I'll make your path straight, I'll be there with you, in Jesus' name, amen, well God bless, pray you have a blessed week.
and I'll see you next time. Amen. Thank you.